Praise the Lord, everyone. It, it is an honor to be in uh, Potts Camp, Mississippi. Your, uh, your bishop, I mentioned tonight to him, he might, I don't know if he remembers my face or not, but uh, I've heard him preach several times in, over the years, and his ministry uh, has affected so many people. You know that. I'm not telling you, you've heard this. This is a, the broken record for preachers that come through here, but I love him with all my heart. The elders of our, uh, our, uh, our fellowship that have been so faithful for all the years. And then, of course, your pastor is just one of the most cool, down-to-earth, real guys that I've ever met in all the ministry. And you know that, too. And I'm so blessed to be here tonight to minister to you. I know I look pretty old because of the gray hair, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good still. Amen. I, I, uh, I got a lot of fire in my belly, and I got a testimony that won't quit. And I've probably given it, I don't know, thousands of times. Because the church I grew up in in Pontiac, Michigan, Bishop L.A. Perrin and William Perrin, Brother Baker, one of the great lines of that church was simply this, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And if you've heard that before, great. If you haven't, you might want to just deposit that one in your, in your Holy Ghost spirit there. Let me give you my analogy of that. I'll let you sit down in a sec. I'll be standing the whole time after, so I never feel too bad that you're standing just for a couple seconds. But um, if you told me that Nutter Butter cookies were no good, you would be like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, your lips would be moving, but I probably wouldn't hear a word you're saying because, come on, someone go there with me. I've already been to the cookie jar. Come on, I reached in, I pulled that thing out, I dunked that thing in the coffee, in the tea. I'm crazy, I'll dunk my cookies in Kool-Aid and water. That thing gets baptized before I eat it, I'm going to tell you right now. And I have experienced the nutter butter. And I'll be honest, I don't even get into scripture when I first meet people a whole lot when I witness to them because I realize that I've got an experience that is second to none. And so with the privilege tonight, I'm going to share a little bit of that and then, and then preach to you for a little bit. Praise God. You may be seated, actually. I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to talk a little bit tonight. Thanks for the privilege and honor um, to be here. You know, God is amazing. Uh, you know, they say if you build it, they'll come. This isn't <laughs> driving through the way to get here. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. It's in the middle of and then I, I pull around the corner, and, and wow, okay, I didn't, didn't see that one coming. But uh, that's how it is with God's stuff, isn't it? If there's something here, I'll tell you what, we need a bunch of places just like this right now that's got enough Holy Ghost where people will come, and they'll come, and they'll come, and they'll come. I want to just tell you a little bit about myself, because everywhere I go, I, I feel like I, I've got such a tremendous testimony. Uh, I was telling Bishop, and, and your pastor knows this real quick, but I was, I was about 20 years old when I joined the United States Air Force, ended up in England, married 20 years old, married my high school sweetheart at 19, and, and God, who'd been dealing with my, my whole life, Catholic boy, been dealing with my whole life, I, I, uh, I, I just wasn't saved by any means. I, I was uh, drinking, cussing, smoking, crazy guy, close the club, stand on chairs and say the party's not over with yet, come on over to my house kind of guy. And, uh, but the grace of God right before uh, I was going to get kicked out of the service and my, my wife and me were about to divorce. Uh, God just showed up. And, uh, and as the scripture said, but God, man, I'm not trying to, don't take this wrong, but that's a big but right there. But God, who is rich in mercy, his will is that, we're not, that we don't perish, but that we come to everlasting life. He just showed up and, and killed me in second week of a Bible study. I sat there with my Spuds McKenzie party animal poster on the wall, my two cases of Bud Dumber in the fridge. I tell my testimony, I always say Bud Dumber because Budweiser is a lie. It's Bud Dumber, it's Bud Stupid or Bud Ignorant, but it definitely isn't Bud Wiser, okay? It's a, it's a disclaimer on the box right there. They, um, my record collection had some terrible records in it, and, and I was smoking Marlboros during the Bible study. But God didn't seem to care about none of that. 
And uh, by the time he was done, he gave me the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and a need to be baptized in his name. And I thought I was the only one in the room that got it because I told the preacher. He read from Matthew 28, go ye therefore. And then he went to Acts chapter 2 when Peter said, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. I stopped the guy and said, hey, what's Pete doing? He messed up. I go, what, you can't, it was just a second ago. I mean, how could he forget so soon? And as I'm getting ready to tell the, the pastor, you know, what, what in the world's Peter doing? Why'd he do that? The Lord spoke to me and said, he didn't mess up, son. He said, I am the father. I am the son. I am the Holy Ghost. And uh, it was, now you got to get this. It was so powerful to me because my whole life, I felt like I got there because because I believe God gave his only begotten son. And in my mind, he, it's God letting that little boy come and rescue me. But in this moment of revelation, the Holy Ghost let me know that God didn't send anybody. The same one who said in the beginning, the earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And God said, that same guy right there, robed himself in flesh. He let us punch him in the face and rip his hairs out and mock and make fun of him. And in that moment, my love for God, which was, which was there, it was, it, was, it was there. My heart, I tell people, was like the Grinch. I had a little love for God. But in that revelation, I was so blown away by it. I'm still blown away. I'm still head over heels in love with him because I discovered that night that he's head over heels in love with me, that he would come the same one who created the earth, and he would allow, allow us to do that to him and would hang on that cross and suffer those things. It, it just, it blew me away. And I remember putting my, my Marlboro out looking at the preacher, and I looked at him, I said, man, stop, stop. I said, that's too much. I can't take it. It's too much. Why did he do that for me? By the time it was done, I was face down on that carpeting. I was a $380 a month drunk, a three-pack-a-day smoker, and I could cuss the wallpaper off the wall. But by the time God was done that night, I got up. This is 37 years ago. I haven't had a drink, haven't smoked a cigarette, haven't cussed it. Come on. Come on. Woo. God's good. Come on. God's been good. Woo, he's really been good. So... I got to share this, and, and then I'm going to get into the message. I'm going to, I'm going to probably get through it quick, but I, I got to share this. So I'm saved just about two months, and Master Sergeant Boyce decides that it's time for us to get into some serious prayer as a church, and we're military folks scattered all over the place, and, and our church we're using is a, a Catholic uh, annex hall, Summertown Church Hall in Oxford, England, and we can't get together um, in the morning because we don't have access to it. But he says, you need to get on your face and start praying for revival throughout Oxford and the areas around here at 5 o'clock in the morning. Glory, hallelujah, amen. Got to love military people, 5 a.m., eh, Sarge? Because, well, he had to work at 6. So, you know, he just thought we'd just all get up at 5. But, but you got to get this. In the first six months of my conversion, I had, God had allowed me to bring about 50 people on base to church. And it happened because I was getting on my face in the morning and I was seeking God and I was praying. And, I, and my mass sergeant voice was one of them, you know, in the name of Jesus. So, I mean, I, I get up when he told us to do that and I start praying in the house and going, devil, right now. And I'm calling off names at work. You get your hand off of airman so-and-so and sergeant so-and-so. Finally, after about two days of this, my wife said, honey, listen, I love you, but I, I, can't, I can't even hear Jesus because you're talking so loud. So she banished me to the garage, which was detached, and on a Saturday morning, about two months into this prayer, I'll never forget, God spoke to my heart, first time I ever had that still, small voice. I'm walking back and forth, doing my thing, praying about all this stuff, and saying, God, you get your hand off that, get your hand off this, and the Lord spoke to me and said, son, don't make any plans today. I want you to go tell somebody what I did for you and Michelle. My wife's, my wife's not here. She's with her mother. We're only here. This is, a, this is the last assignment on this on this evangelistic trip of ours right here. We're heading back home on Friday morning. She's staying with her mom a couple of days. But um, it was so amazing. I, I, I remember thinking, no way. There's no way God's talking to me. So I just kept going, okay, whatever, Marin. I mean, there's, yeah, whatever. God's, you know, come on, can I get an amen? God's, you're like, 
Come on, he's the big guy, and I'm like, I'm like a pile of dust, right? I'm just, I'm a dab of dirt and a hunk of clay, the Bible told me. I'm worth about a buck fifty. You're worth about two fifty. That's the good news. You're worth, you know, hey, young guy, you're worth about fifty cents right there. So, you know, unless, unless God's in the equation, there ain't a whole lot of value here. So I just didn't think much of myself, and, and yet a second time, and then a third time, the Spirit of the Lord dealt with my heart that morning. And finally, I was more scared not to do it than I was to do it. Because I thought, man, what if that is God? So I went in the house and told my wife about it, and she was so encouraging. She, I said, honey, I think God's talking to me. She said, really? I said, don't make fun of me. I'm serious. And I told her what was going on. And then in her brilliant way, she looked at me and said, well, let me ask you something, Rich. She said, do you want to go do it? Now, this is 20, 37 years later. I'm pretty bold now. I said, but back then, I'm like, I was like, what? I'm like, no, I'm scared to death. I'm, my heart's palpitating just thinking about going. I got sweaty palms. Look at this. She's like, she's like, okay, okay, just answer me one other question. She said, you think the devil wants you to do that? And I said, the devil? Are you awake, honey? I'm like, I didn't get that at all. I'm like, the devil, what are you talking about? She goes, just answer my question. You think the devil? And I said, well, of course not. She said, well, if it ain't you and it ain't the devil, she said, you better get going, son. She said, because that only leaves God. I will call that my wife. Honey, if you're watching, that was one of your most brilliant moments in the history of our marriage right there. And I use that today, and I will tell you, I'm, I'm sharing this on purpose. That's my litmus test, and it ought to be yours. Because God's fixing to do some stuff with us that he's never done before. We need, to, we need to be available like never before. This is it right here. We, we, are, we are racing time and running. Darkness is coming upon us, and if we're going to work, we better do it right now. Amen. We can't walk in the flesh no more. We need to be walking in the spirit. God's fixing to tell some of us, hey, turn right right here. Go down the street right here. Stop the car right here. Hey, go knock on that door right there. Come on, you don't believe it? I'm telling you right now, this is one of my assignments. Tell my kids, get ready. I'm fixing to do some talking. I'm fixing to do some moving right now. Expect it. Pray about it. Be ready for it. Listen for my voice. So I end up in downtown Oxford, and I'm still, you know, ooh, this is, now, now I'm a little bit closer. I'm slightly getting out of the boat now. And I'm walking around for about 30 minutes, and, and, and I, ain't, I ain't done nothing yet, but I'm just, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And when I first got saved, my pastor, you know, read your Bible, Rich, read your Bible. So I came to him shortly after that, and I said, hey, uh, Pastor, I said, this Revelation stuff is freaking me out. And he looked at me and said, oh, no, 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 Brother Rich, no, no, no. He said, no, no, don't read Revelations yet. He said, I'm thinking, Reve it's Revelation. It should be a easy, right? It's a Revelation. <laughs> yeah, not so easy. We all know that, right? He said, read the Gospels. Learn about your Savior. Fall in love with Jesus. I still recommend that. If I'm talking to someone, I just, just had a situation this week, witness to a young man. He, he's, what should I do? Which I said, read the gospel. Same thing, read the gospel. Fall in love with Jesus over and over again. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So here I am walking in downtown Oxford, and I'm, I'm pretty nervous. And I, said, and I remembered my, the word of God. I said, Lord, I said, order my steps. I said, Lord, you never wasted time. See, he never wasted time. If we, can get, if we can get in step with him, he'll bring us right to a spot we need to be. He'll bring us to a person we need to talk to. Bring. We won't get frustrated because we'll be on missions from God. I said, Lord, you would, you would walk by in a crowd, 100 people, 1,000 people. You'd stop and you'd deal with one person. I said, then you keep walking a little bit further and you, you, this guy would be sitting up in the tree and you'd say, hey, come on down. I'm meeting at your place today. Come on. I said, everything you did was directive. I said, Lord, I'm brand new at this, and you know, you know me better than anyone. I said, I probably can't handle much rejection. So will you lead me to a hungry soul this morning? Will you direct my steps? I find myself in front of a McDonald's at around 30 minutes, about 8.30 in the morning, and I'm staring at the McDonald's, and I'm thinking Egg McMuffin in a cup of coffee because I ain't had nothing yet. And as I'm staring at the McDonald's, I look to the left of me, and I see this Asian guy sitting on a park bench, and he just catches my eye, Bishop. I'm just, huh. And we have a saying in the church in Pontiac, he stood out like a camel in the Holy of Holies. So I looked at him, and then I looked back at the McDonald's sign. I looked a second time at him, and then a third time at the McDonald's. I'm a little slow. I'm just a baby. Go easy on me. But by the third time, God said, hey, knucklehead, there's your first assignment. Go get him. So I forgot about the Egg McMuffin, and now, now, man, now I'm out of the boat. I need somebody. Where's the youngest guy? Young man, can you be my Chinese guy this morning just for a second? Can you help me out? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you for a second. All right. All right, sit, sit. Can we sit on these or are these? All right. Sit right here on me. 
Well, the, the other one, the other one, the other one, the other one. All right. So here I am. Okay, I'm walking over, hearts pounding 100 miles an hour. I'm going, oh, man, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing Folks, it's exciting to get out of the boat. I'm going to tell you what, here's what happens to us because we're so afraid that we missed it and we're going to fail, we don't even get out. And I made up my mind in these last days, God, I'd rather get out and fail than sit there in my comfort and not see nothing happen. God wants us to get out of the boat. There's some stuff he's got planned for his church in these last days. He's counting on us to be submissive enough and obedient enough to just do what he says. Now get this, I can't quote... Ten scriptures at this point in my life. All I know is God told me, hey, go tell somebody. So I walk up to him, heart's pounding. I said, oh, God, and I said, how you doing? And he looked at me, smiled, way back at me. You got to way back at me like you care. All right, here you go. So I come down, I sit down, and now I sit down and go, oh, oh man, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is crazy. I can't believe it. I go, boom, 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 boom. And I said, oh, Lord, oh, God, oh, God, help me, help me, God, help me. I hope I didn't miss it. I hope I, hope I heard you. I said, God, I said, and I had no idea what anointing was, Pastor. I just hadn't, we haven't crossed that yet. We, no one's preached on that. I hadn't, I hadn't come over it. I haven't, I haven't read it and confused and asked the pastor what it meant. I had no idea. All I knew is my pastor was pretty mild-mannered most of the time. But when he got that mic on a Sunday and he started preaching, he went like, he was like, shazam, boom. The lightning bolt hit him and he started going. And I said, God. I said, I don't know what the pastor's got. I said, but give me some of that stuff pastor's got on Sunday. And, and don't make fun of me. I'm just telling you, I'm just a baby now. The closest thing in my mind that I could come up with was like pixie dust. Because I needed to fly for a couple minutes here. I needed, I needed to be someone other than me for a second. I'm just telling the truth. That was the closest I had in my mind, pixie dust. So I turned my head and said, oh, God, just, just give me some of that stuff. Give me, just sprinkle it on me for a second, God. Just, God, help me out. In Jesus' name, here we go. And I turned back and I said, I said, hey, how you doing this morning, sir? I said, uh, my name's Rich Marin, and you can probably tell by my voice that I'm a, I'm a few miles from home, but uh, I hope I'm not offending you at all, but I, I'm guessing maybe by looking at you that, that maybe you're a few miles from home too. I said, but you know what I believe, sir? I said, this morning I was in my garage because uh, I was praying and talking to God, and, and man, let me tell you something. Just a few months ago, my life was a total shipwreck. And I start talking. I said, I've, I've done this testimony. I'm just, I'm there right now. See, when it's just God and it's real and you're in it and it's yours, you can go back there. I relive it all the time. I, I, that's why we got to share our testimonies. We get to relive them. They become real all over again. The impact of a testimony is life-changing. I said, I'm sitting there going, sir. I said, I said my life was a mess. I said, I was, I was a drunk. And, I, and I, I'm hacking and coughing every morning because I smoke so much. And, and me and my wife's fighting like crazy. And, and I'm thinking about divorcing her. And, I, and I'm just letting them have it. And as I'm telling them all this stuff, this, this girl starts walking across the breezeway. And she, she's, you know, she's Asian. And, and as she gets here, I figure, Pastor, I figure this is sister or cousin or friend or whatever. I don't know. But, but she looks at me and I look up and I wave at her. I'm like, how you doing? And, and she just makes her way and she stands right about here and she starts listening to everything I'm saying to this young man. And finally, about, about two minutes in, she puts her hand down. She says, sir, sir, she said, I don't mean to interrupt you, sir, but my brother does not know any English. You know, I give this testimony and everybody laughs. I just talked about the book of Revelation. Let me tell you right now, Revelation is not always good. Because the revelation that this guy didn't know a word I was saying, it just, it killed me. I'm like, I... I remember looking at her, and, and she said those words, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. You are so stupid. You are, oh, Rich Marino, you, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. You, 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 <laughs> you thought God told you to. Oh, man, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm so sorry. And as I'm apologizing, that still small voice that talked to me in the garage Spoke to me a second time on that park bench, and God said, you're just going to give up. And I remember talking to God out loud. I'm like, I'm like, give up. I'm like, God, what do I do? I mean, what do I do? I don't know no English. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I don't know, no, I don't know, no, no, no Asian. I don't know, no, I don't know how to talk to this guy. I, that's, I, all I got is English. I got nothing. And, and God puts this idea in my head, and I remember literally telling God, what, what is that going to do? I mean, I'm just, not, I'm young and dumb, okay? I don't recommend talking back to God or, or, or anything too much, but I just, I just didn't see it. 
But I just said, okay, okay, fine, fine. So I turned back a second time, rejuvenated. I said, okay, okay. And I looked at him, I go, I go, I, I love you. And I have no idea how he took that, okay? But, and then, and then I said, I said, this was the big one, though. I don't, I, I don't, I know now, sign language, God, God, right? But all I had was my Pictionary days. And so, in my mind, God's huge, right? He's just, so I go, God, God. I'm saying God, looking right, God. And I'm hoping he can put two and two together somehow. I go, God loves you. And then all of a sudden, I just looked at him, I said, and I know I didn't miss it. I know God told me to come down here this morning. I know God said, I, start, I just start talking to him, blah, 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 blah. And as I'm talking to him, hear me right now, as I'm talking to him, tears start rolling down his eyes. And I can see God on him. I'm young, but I, I know what it's like. I've got, he was just on me a few weeks ago in my house. That presence of God come on him just like it came on me, man. I can feel it all over me right now. That anointing was on him, God's presence. I said, I said, you, 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 you're getting it. You're, you're getting, you're getting what I got. It's all over you, man. And as I'm saying that to him, his sister puts her hand out. She said, sir, sir, she said, that was amazing. She said, where did you learn how to speak such fluent Mandarin like that? Woo! <laughs> Come on. Come on, church. Come on, you don't think we can step into some things right now? I couldn't quote five scriptures, ten scriptures. The only secret to my success that morning was simple. God said, go, son. I went, man, okay. I was too stupid not to go. I was too afraid not to go. He did everything for me. Well, the least I could do is go. That's the least we could do is go. Come on, go. Go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. Watch this, watch this. He said, sir, that's impossible. She said, for the last few moments, you told my brother about his past. She said, sir, in the last few moments, you told my brother about his future. She said, sir, you just told my brother what God wants to do in his life. That's the honest to God. God is my witness, my testimony, my book of Acts experience. That's mine. See, you can get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have you. God said, that's good. Let's put that in there. That's pretty good. Let's write that one down. I don't know, but I feel like I, I got in that morning almost. Because by faith, by faith, I chose to go ahead and say, God, God, you think you can use this dab of dirt? You think you can use this hunk of clay? But God, I'm not much. But, but if you want me to go, I'll go. Listen, I'm praying. Watch me. Watch me. I know a lot of scriptures now. I preach a lot of messages. You know what I'm praying? Make me like that guy. Come on, make us all like that kid in the candy store whose daddy just gave him 20 bucks and, and you're just sitting there going, oh my gosh, my gosh, I got, a, I got that excitement, 20 bucks in a, in, a, in a candy store. Woo, that's how we ought to be feeling right now. We are living in, in the last time, in the last days, in the last moments. And he said the latter rain will be greater than the former. That the, Come on, God always saves the best for last. His expectation, he's waiting on us. Come on, I want to use you. I want to use you. I got a message to get out. Go ahead. I need, to I need you to tell someone. I need you to tell them. What am I going to do? I can't quote scriptures. I'm not a pastor. I haven't been to Bible college. Tell them what he did for you. Tell your story. Come on, you got your Goliath that you slayed. God knocked him right down in front of you and killed him. Go tell somebody what God did for you. You're one of the finest Chinese men I've ever met in my life. Put your hands together for me. And I, I just, I tell that one everywhere because, see, that's mine right there. Okay. You can stand with me again one more time. 1 Peter 3.15, this, this is the text there for you, what I just did. But, sanctif or, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and be ready all in answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear. That's God's ex expectation right now that we are ready at any time, at any moment, to give a witness, to give, to tell somebody right now about the hope. There is hope in this house. It's all over the place. It's crawling everywhere. And we need to, we need to give that word, give that testimony, deposit hope right now. I know y'all, this is a great church, and I'm not, I'm you've heard, you've heard these guys. A million times, and I'm just, 
I'm just trying to stir up a little bit what you've been hearing your whole life. First John 1 and 5. The Bible says this. This then is the message. Say, this is the message. Which you have heard of him, and I declare unto you that God is light. I'll tell you what, this, this, this is so powerful. And in him is no darkness at all. I, I know it's just a text in your book, and I've read it a few times, but, but just lately God said, son, you realize you can't, you, you can't lose. I, I'm light. And there is, when I'm done, there is no room for any devil, anywhere, anytime, any place. When, when my light shines, so I'm, I guess I'm talking about the light a little bit. Your, your light of testimony, your light of witness, your light of, when we start shining the light, darkness is going to run, darkness is going to flee, darkness won't have anywhere to go. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. This little light of mine. I'm fixing to let it shine. Praise God. Come on, let's pray together right now. Lord, I love and thank you. I appreciate your mercy and grace in my life. And for all these saints gathered today, God, the stories that we have, the awesome things you've done, the testimonies that, that have yet to be told. God, I pray, God, that you ignite us, that you'll light a fire under us tonight. God, that you'll stir us afresh, God, that we won't be ashamed of the gospel that's in every one of us, that will declare it, that will share it, that will be bold about it in Jesus' name. And you'll change, you'll change this city, change this town, and we'll give you praise for it. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Say, I'm nervous. He ain't even started preaching yet. We've already been here for 15 minutes. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. So listen to this. The year was 1860, and the United States was in great crisis. Newsmaking events regarding the Civil War to come occurred rapidly and needed to be immediately reported to the population. An express mail service was needed desperately. A constant flow of up-to-date up to information needed to be maintained between East and West. Thus, the creation of the Pony Express. The Pony Express would consist of almost 2,000 miles, 3,218 kilometers mail route. The service would start in St. Joseph, Missouri, and pass through Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, Nevada, and end in San Francisco in what was then considered an incredible 10 days. My message to you tonight is this. Who will deliver this apostolic message? Who will deliver this apostolic message? In order to accomplish this incredible task, the riders would have to drive their horses at top speed with a change of horse occurring every 10 to 20 miles or 16 to 32 kilometers. The stops would occur at one of 190 relay or home stations stretching across the eight states. Once again, who will deliver this message. There would be 420 horses that were purchased and 400 stationed men and women were hired along with 80 brave riders. In the one and a half year history of the Pony Express, only one time did a rider refuse to make his run. Incredible. These riders were to, to face every type of natural danger imaginable from roaring rivers to bone dry deserts and every possible weather condition you could think of. From the thickest of fogs to the icy cold streams to 120-degree deserts, to sandstorms that were so fierce they blotted out the sun and would tear at one's skin like sandpaper. I'm asking tonight, who will deliver this apostolic message? It was through this world of nature's giants that the Pony Express had to pass. Steep grades, narrow canyons, mm, howling winds, frightening blizzards, incredibly deep snowdrifts, all were barriers to the progress of even the most dedicated rider. Who will deliver the message? The sign simply read, get this, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred, wage $25 per week. Who will deliver this message? The Pony Express was looking for very special young men who are willing to make great sacrifices, spending long, hard hours in the saddle, riding through the black of night 
in cold, in heat, and through life-threatening territories. They had to be totally dedicated to making certain that the mail would go through under any and all conditions. This was their pledge of service. I want you to hear this, Apostolic Church, tonight. This is for delivering mail. Men and women, mail, just messages by human beings. This was their, their, their condition. I, I'm going to go ahead and throw my name in there. I, Rich Marin, do hereby swear before the great and living God that during my engagement and while I am an employee of the Pony Express, I will under no circumstances use profane language, that I will drink no intoxicating liquors, that I will not quarrel or fight with any other employee of the firm, and in that every respect, I will conduct myself honestly, be faithful to my duties, and so direct all of my acts as to win the confidence of my employer. So help me God. It's quite an oath for driving a horse and delivering some mail. Mark Twain once wrote, perhaps the best word to describe the Pony Express riders, it was simply dedication. Dedication. The most famous rider, William J. Cody, also known as Buffalo Bill Cody, at the age of 15 years old, rode an amazing 384 miles without a regular sleeping break, a record that was never broken, 384 hours or miles without a break. History tells us this, that the Pony Express was replaced by Samuel Morris's telegraph and after only 18 months of service, the Pony Express came to an end. The Sacramento Daily Bee on October 26, 1861 penned these words. Farewell, Pony. Our little friend, the Pony is to run no more. Stop it is the order that has been issued by those in authority. Farewell and forever, thou staunch, wilderness, overcoming, swift-footed messenger. For the good thou hast done, we praise thee. And having run thy race and accomplished all that was hoped, and expected, we can part with thy services without regret, because and only because in the process of the age, in the advance of science, and by the enterprise of capital, thou hast been superseded by a more subtle, active, but no more faithful public servant. I'll tell you what, this will preach two ways, this one, Pastor. Thou wert the pioneer of a continent in the rapid transmission of intelligence between its peoples, and have dragged in your train the lightning itself which in good time will be followed by steam communication, by rail. Rest upon your honors. Be satisf satisfied with them. Your destiny has been fulfilled. A new and higher power has superseded you. Nothing that has blood and sinews was able to overcome your energy and ardor, but a senseless, soulless thing that eats not, sleeps not, tires not, a thing that cannot distinguish space, that knows not the difference between a rod of ground and the circumference of the globe itself has encompassed, overthrown, and routed you. This is no disgrace, for flesh and blood cannot always war against the elements. Rest then in peace, for thou hast run thy race, thou hast finished thy course, thou hast done the work that was given thee to do. I don't think so. There's work to do. There's, there's a message that needs to be delivered. And we can sit there all day and think that we've reached some high plateau of understanding where, where somehow it's not necessary for mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation anymore. But that's how I got saved. And that's how you got saved. And that's how the next person will get saved. We cannot count on the arm of technology. Jesus left his throne in glory to bring us a redemption story. He robed himself in flesh. He tried all kinds of fancy ways to get our attention, but Hebrews said it best in sundry times and in diverse places. He did all kinds of stuff, but in these last days, a body has now prepared me. This is what it's still going to take. It's going to take this sinew, this flesh, this desire, this hunger, this thirst, this dying of self, this willingness to lay down life so that someone else can have a life. Jesus did not come to teach us how to live. Hear me right now. I'm not, I don't want to offend you. Do a little study. He did. He did teach us. He taught us how to act and treat and be, take care of our wife and our family, all that. But in a greater way, his number one mission was not to teach us how to live, but to teach us how to die so that we can really live. 
I'm going to say it again. Unless a, a corn of wheat fall to the ground and dieth, it abideth alone. But if it die, and I will tell you right now, that is a big if. We need, we need to have it happen right now. It's time to look God in the face and become Abraham for every city. Every city needs an Abraham in it right now. Lord, Lord, where's the intercessions right now? Where's the intercession? Well, that's the message. Where's the intercession to stand before God right now and say, Lord, let there be 15 people more in Poskan. Let there be 15 people more. I wrote these down. I did a little research. I looked them up. I looked them up right here. Because here's our message. I already read it to you, Matthew 28. Go ye, therefore, unto all the world, baptizing them and teaching them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Come on. To observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That's the assignment. Hear me. The assignment has never changed. The assignment is still the same tonight. He wants us to go. Amen. He wants us to affect. He wants us to teach. He wants us to share. He wants us to. The first commandment in Genesis was to go and multiply after our own kind. I'm going to tell you what, I'm, 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 I'm one of a kind. Come on, I'm a, new, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not even in the science books. You're not even in the science books. He's not talking about me having a kid. He's talking about me giving birth to a, someone just like me. Come on, someone. He didn't tell us to just make babies. He told us to make disciples. Hallelujah. It hasn't changed. The assignment hasn't changed. I thought about me and Michelle. I thought about where God's taken us. I just wrote, let me get this here. So, so here's our journey right here. From that day right there, I fell on my face. I ended up going to the United Pentecostal Church of Oxford, England. I got baptized in the River Thames on April 16th, 1989. I've been baptized four times, but it was the first time I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, this great apostolic doctrine. Man, Pastor, I'll never forget the night that I laid in bed. I've been baptized four times, but, but, but that River Thames and that name and the reality that my repentance, that was real. It was godly sorrow that worked repentance. It did. See, I'd repented so many times, but the Bible said, godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. And our churches have been filled for years with repentance that needs repentance. Because godly sorrow worketh repentance, but worldly sorrow, the Bible says, worketh death. It's that kind of repentance that comes to the altar. Because they got caught. Because you shouldn't have done that. Godly sorrow. Right now, we, we need the, this world to repentance. You got to tell them your story, which will cause conviction in their heart, which will prick them. Just like it pricked them that day, it'll prick them. What do we do? What do we do? Repent. That's the message, isn't it? Numero uno, first thing for everybody. Repent. 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 I'll tell you what, here I am, 57 years old almost, in my assignment after, after prison ministries and pastoring and, and, and mission trips and all that. At 56, God says, I want you to, I want you to go for me, son, and, and burn out for me. I want you to tell everybody. and everything. I'm, I'm like, Lord, I'm 56. I'm the, I'm the young guys do that, man. I'm, I mean, I, I can't run and spit like I used to. I can't shout. He said, yeah, but you, you, got, some, you got some stuff underneath here. You got some, some marks on your body, though. You got, you got some some lessons to tell. You got some testimonies to share. You got some, come on, you got some miracles to get out. You got some, stir them up, Rich. Tell them about it. Come on, get them, get them fired up for me again. And I've been preaching more repentance than I've preached anything else so far. Man, I love I loved to get them in the waters of baptism. I, I, I love to see them get the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, the first step, we can't bypass the first two Repentance, true repentance, godly repentance. What a message. This is it. When we get the light right, it'll cause people for darkness to be shined out. You know, they'll see everything they're doing, and it'll cause people to come to that place of true repentance, godly sorrow. Remember the groanings at altars, Bishop? Remember the services where, where people would come? I'm not saying you don't have them still, but we used to have them a lot back in the day. We're hours afterwards. I remember sitting at altars for two, three hours after the service was over as a young man. Hours. I'd be the last one. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Because my mama wasn't in church and my daddy wasn't in church and none of my brothers was in church. I thought, why in the world am I here? 
What did, what did God, why did God save me? Why did God save you? Why did God save you? You know why? You know what God told me? This is as powerful as it gets. Any preacher will preach any revelation. I sat there and, and got on God's case for six months. I didn't get it. I had survivor syndrome because the message was delivered to me and it changed my life. I said, God, why me? Because I did. If, in my own family, of my four brothers, I would have been the last one I would have picked out of my four brothers. They all had better qualities and better guys and hadn't sinned nowhere near as much. I, I lied to my parents bold to face about things I'd done. I was cold and callous. I'd done all kinds of stuff. But, but God, I said, God, you got to tell me because I don't get it. I would have never picked me. I needed, I needed an answer to my dilemma. I needed to know what God saw me. And, and finally, after bombarding heaven day after day, week after week, month after month, in that still small voice, God spoke to me once one Saturday morning in prayer. He said, I'll tell you what I saw in you, son. You ready? The kind of person that would tell somebody else. Oh, my gosh, you got to get this. I don't think, don't tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. The common denominator, I believe, of every real child of God is this. God knows you can multiply. God knows it's in you. God wouldn't, God wouldn't waste his time and presence and spirit and put it in a vessel that could not multiply. And so I don't know if I can do that, brother man. I don't know if I can. I don't have that kind of boast. Yes, you can. You've already got what it takes. You've got a measure of faith in you and an experience in you. I know it's Wednesday. He didn't invite me on Sunday, but I just thought it was Sunday. Sorry about that. I'm getting all crazy here. <laughs> Whew. This message that we got, this message we got, Sister Mary and I went from Oxford, England, to Pontiac, Michigan, back to England, then Kingsville, Ontario, Canada, Warsaw, Indiana, and now Clear, Clearwater, Florida. Didn't see that one coming. And now we're, now we're going everywhere. And everywhere I go, that's all I want to do. I just want to deliver the message. I just want, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to adulterize it. I don't want to get in the way of it. I just want to, as God gives it to us, we take it, we give it to them. With one, come on, Bishop Parent taught us this. With one hand to a lost and dying world and one hand to the gospel. We become a conduit through which the spirit of God can flow. You're just a conduit. He's the power. He's got the juice. He, he's got everything we need. He just needs a vessel. I got invited to golf two days ago with a, my wife's cousin's husband. And it was 90 degrees out. I love golfing, but I don't even like golfing in 90 degrees. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity to be with people. So I went, and he brought a guy from his work with him. And the whole day I was, I was looking, just looking for God to give. I just look, I look for a crack. God, give me. If, if you, in the history of my life since I got saved, if I get a flat tire, I get so excited. Lord, have mercy on the guy who stops to help me fix that flat tire. Oh, they're going to get it, Bishop. I mean, it's, I don't sit there and go, I can't believe I got a flat. I don't get all mad and, and, and almost cuss and, and say, what happened to me? And the devil made me get a flat. No, no. I'm like, oh, man, God's going to touch someone here. I've been, so, I've been so late over the years when I'm just, I just go to 7-Eleven to get something for my wife. And, and an hour and a half later, I come back. She said, well, are they coming to church or aren't they? I want someone one time in an elevator between the first and the third floor. I didn't, I don't got nothing fancy. You know what I said? I looked at them, I go, hey, you going to church? And they get, you know what, they ain't going to church. They get all sheepish on you real quick. I don't care. If they're white, you see the blush. If they're black, they just, they, they can still show it to you. They'll just go, man, they, they're just busted. They're just cold busted. They don't know what to do. And I looked at them, I said, you're not going to church? Oh, my gosh. Man, you got to go to church. I used to do that for the devil about going to a party or getting drunk, right? I used to stand on the, on the, on the chairs in the, the, at the end of the night in the club that before I got, and say, hey, party's not over. Come on over to my house. Come on. Two o'clock in the morning, drunken fool, stupid stuff. Man, Bishop, since God saved me, man, I'm doing it. Ten years of prison ministry, 450 inmates that we, I, I was blessed to put down in Jesus' name. Ten years my God, come on. Come on, I got to tell somebody. We got to tell somebody. Come on, we got to get this message out right now. Come on, you, you can stand with me. You can stand with me. It's time God's people swore an oath. 
and made a pledge. Raised her hand and said, I hereby, I'm going to get on my horse. I'm going to take this message. I'm going to be faithful. I don't care what the weather's like. I don't care if, it, if it's in season or out of season right now. I don't care. I don't know if people want to hear it. I'm, I'm just, just going to be willing, God. I'm going to go tell somebody. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to deliver that message. I sat in that. I sat yesterday. Listen to this. So we're at the golf course. On the way after the golf course, I'm done right here. We're on the way. We're going to get something to eat, and I, and I suggested Cracker Barrel because I saw one on the way there. I hadn't had that Cracker Barrel in a long time, and, and I, I sort of wanted some meatloaf, and there, there's this decent. And, and, and Kyle, Kyle, listen to this. This is how powerful God is. Kyle is sort of sheepish about it. He says, well, you know, Rich, he said, couldn't you go for a good steak? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not that really fond of steak. I like it, but, but it's so chewy, and it's just hard right now. I just, I said, no, I said, just meatloaf sounds pretty good, and, and he said, well, and we're driving, there was a Mexican, he said, oh, he said, man, that's a great Mexican restaurant there, and I thought, man, if you want to go to Mexican, that's, that's fine, you, we'll go whatever you want, I figured he didn't want to go, and he said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we'll, no, we'll go to Cracker Barrel, that's fine, so we get to Cracker Barrel, this guy that worked for him for years has just put in his two-week notice, and Kyle picked him up, then came and picked me up to bring us golf, and Kyle don't even golf. Get this. Get, 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 how, get how interested God is in, in souls right now. He don't even golf. And he's going to take a guy that just gave us two-week notice, and he's going to treat him to golf with me. Kyle's, Kyle's a, a special dude, I'm going to tell you right now. He's just, he's just a good guy. So we golf. Kyle doesn't really golf at all. hits a few balls, but he, and he watches us. 18 holes we play, and we're driving. We get to this restaurant, and I've been looking for an open door the whole time. Well, all of a sudden, God opens the door at the restaurant, and I start talking to Jack. The guy he's with, he's got a wife and three kids, and he's, and he's just not doing well. And I start giving him my testimony and start sharing my witness with him and start sharing. All of a sudden, Jack is weeping in the restaurant. God's dealing with his life. By the time we're done, he's got my card. He said, I'm, I said, you can call me, Jack, until Jesus comes. You call me. You got a question, you call me. You want to talk about the Bible, you call me. What I said, Jack, because I want you to know right now, you're the reason why I'm living. Because the only thing I could take to heaven with me, Jack, is other people. I said, I can't take nothing else. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done worrying about my 401K or worrying about this or that. It does, none of it means nothing. Right? The only thing that I can take to heaven with me is somebody else. And I'm consumed by it. I said, Jack, don't matter. You call me anytime, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. If you need me to come, I'll get in a play. I'll fly here for you, Jack. I meant it, Pastor. I meant it. God was getting a hold of him, and he had a wife and three kids. We got to get that one right there. And all of a sudden, the waitress comes up, and the Spirit of God's there, and she's, she's all emotional, and she said, said, I've been listening to y'all, we're like the last ones in the restaurant. I looked up, and I said, I said, hey, I know we gave you a tip, but here's, the, here's my other tip. I said, can we pray for you right now? And she broke down. She said, God, she said, I got so much going on right now. I'm, I'm living in my car, and, and I'm just in between. And she was a sweet young girl. You know, she wasn't, you can tell she wasn't into any, you know, she wasn't doing anything dumb. She was having a rough moment, and. Man, we prayed for her, asked God to open doors. She's weeping. Kyle, give her the card. He goes to the church right by there. She's going to come to church this Sunday. And all of a sudden, we get done, and Kyle says, Rich, can I tell you something? He said, I, I know I seemed to be a little off when you wanted to go to Cracker Barrel. Can I tell you why? Kyle and his wife lost their three-year-old daughter seven years ago. It was their anniversary of her passing from cancer. He said, Rich, he said, uh, the last restaurant we went to when she was alive was Cracker Barrel. And I haven't been in one since. He said, but I know tonight why I needed to come to Cracker Barrel. He said, my daughter's already with Jesus, but that daughter of God wasn't. Tears in Kyle's eyes, he said, he said yeah, we needed to come to Cracker Barrel. You know why? Because God had a message to deliver. And God had a couple people that needed to hear some things. And we've got it. We've got answers to the dilemmas of people's lives right now. And it's nothing fancy. It's not, it's not quoting a million scriptures. First of all, just, just tell them. Tell them your story. And then we, we'll get them. That story gets you every time. Hey, it got Saul. You're too small. You're too, you can't do this. Well, I did kill a bear and a lion. Oh, you might be the guy. It's amazing what a testimony will do. Thank you for listening to this old 57-year-old 
Wednesday night. So honored to be in Potsdam. You are known throughout the world. This is a special place. Don't take it for granted. Just let it grow. All the work that's been done is great, but you still got a lot of work to do. You hear me? Stay busy. Stay busy. Stay busy. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven? And why don't we ask the Holy Ghost to impress this word on our spirit right now? Oh, God, I pray, Lord Jesus. God, you gave us a testimony for a reason. You changed our lives for a reason. You turned us around for a reason. Everything you've ever done for us was not done frivolously without a purpose, but it was done for purpose, for a reason. As your eyes are closed and your hands are lifted up, the title of this message was not an exclamation. It was not a statement. It was not a declaration. It was a question. Who will deliver this apostolic message? That is the question that God has asked this church tonight. That's the question that God has for Bethlehem Church. Who will deliver this message? Is it going to be you? If you want it to be you, if you want to ask God to lead you to somebody, God, put somebody in my path or put me in someone's path. I just want you to step out from where you are, make your way to an altar. We're not going to take a long time, but we're going to take enough time. Who will deliver? Come to the altar, lift your hands and say, God, just put me in somebody's pathway. Somebody I'm going to run into over these next few days is going to be desperate and need you, God. Give me the wisdom. Give me the compassion to share my testimony. Come on, can you talk to the Lord right now? Jesus. The Great Commission, go and teach all nations. The word teach means make disciples. Go make disciples. That's our responsibility. That's our calling. That's our job. I'm going to read a verse that Brother Marin read, Matthew 28 and 20, teaching them. 19 is go and teach all nations. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Bishop Wilson, that promise of God being with us is not to the one that doesn't go. That promise is not to the one that doesn't teach, that doesn't tell, that doesn't make disciples. That promise that I'll be with you always is only given to the people that are willing to go and teach and tell. So if you want God to be with you and your family and your children and your finances and your health and your marriage and your work and your business then you got to be about his business because he said, if you'll go and teach, then I'll be with you always. I'll be with you when you get a bad doctor's report. I'll be with you when you're in trouble. I'll be with you when you're discouraged. I'll be with you when your kids are struggling. I'll be with you when your marriage is struggling. I'll be with you always. If you'll always put my message in people 
I'll be with you all the time. Oh, why don't you reach over and pray with somebody close to you. I feel the Lord. The Lord is equipping an army tonight. He's raising some people up. Amen. God's going to do something powerful in this place. Come on, the presence of the Lord is here right now. He's moving right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is moving here right now. God is stirring people's hearts. God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way here, God. Lord, I want to go. God, I'll carry this message. I'll be somebody's testifier. God, there might not be a lot I can do, but I can tell somebody what you've done in my life. I can tell them how good you've been to me. I can tell them, God, how merciful you've been. I can tell them how gracious you are. Oh, that's right. The Lord's touching people right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's take some time and let the Holy Ghost work here. God's dealing with hearts. There's a work of the Holy Ghost here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We have something very important coming up in the month of August on the 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're having what we call radical, what is it? Radical Recovery Revival. Brother Philip Miller is going to be with us on those three services. Brother Jerry Carpenter spent 35 years on death row. God got a hold of his life. He's going to be here to give his testimony. Sister Johnny's from South Mississippi was a uh, exotic dancer and a drug addict when God got a hold of her life over 20 years ago. And now she's a soul winner and outreach director for a great church. Amen. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Amen. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, you know, you know we don't do a whole lot of extra stuff on non-church days. I know you all drive a long ways to work. I know you get up early for work. And so when we add stuff on a non-regular church day, you know it's something that we really believe God wants to do. And God's going to do something awesome, something awesome during that revival. So you have from now till then to get as many people as you can that need God God's going to do something powerful. It's going to be awesome. How many will lift our hands right now and, and help me pray for this revival? And not just now, but put it on your prayer list every day in the name of Jesus. God, I'm believing that you are going to change lives eternally. There's going to be a powerful demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Lord, your mercy and grace is going to grip hearts. And God, I pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, that you would use us. 
God, you've given us all that you've given us for a reason and for a purpose. And I want to use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Marin. Let's give Brother Marin and the Lord a good hand. Amen. And you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.